Under the Hood <laughs> with Jonathan Hood. Get it. Tim crushes this ball. He throws the bat. The ball goes flying and it's gone. Under the Hood, behind the scenes, nobody really sees. Four runs. Hey, I'm hot. Jonathan Hood. I'm hot. Rubisky, Robinson, Allen Robinson, touchdown Bears. Back with the interception, and Mack will take it all the way in for a touchdown. A lot of this is behind the scenes or under the hood. DeMarc in it. Oh! He didn't come for the massage. He came for the fight show. Oh, baby. Woo! Jonathan Hood. Oh, man. Put a body on that man, please. Breaks the hole. Swift got running room. Swift got a go. 30, 20, 10. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. I'm the man. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. From Chicago, this is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights at 7 on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Open phone lines for you at 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Follow me on Instagram, IGJHood. Need some more followers on Instagram as well. Is on Twitter, twitter.com, tweetjhood. We broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank Studios. Strong, trusted, First Midwest Bank. It is a Petty Junction Monday. We'll find out the pettiest in the sports weekend coming up the bottom of the hour. Also, Chris Black from our station here at ESPN 1000, my partner on our For the Love of the Pod NBA podcast that we do year-round. We'll talk to Chris and have him on the program because we're going to break down the NBA schedules. It came out today. Not the entire schedule for every team. We don't have that much time. We could, though. We have. Uh, but not tonight. But we will take a look at some of the highlights in the NBA schedule. A little NBA conversation coming up in our next half hour here on ESPN 1000. Plenty of time for your thoughts as well. 312-332-ESPN is our phone number. Good to be back with you. Spent a lot of time in, in Bristol with uh, Freddie Coleman doing his show weeknights. On the network side, and now I am back. It's good to be back here with you. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, on tomorrow's program, similar to today's program, we have Summer of Football. We'll take care of you with that. Uh, a lot of we'll give you the updates on the Cubs on the road as they take on Philadelphia, but also Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. If you're a wrestling fan, I got you. Every Tuesday night at 9.30, we take care of you with a little wrestling slash sports entertainment conversation. Casey Joyner. WWE writer for ESPN.com. Yes, ESPN actually does have a wrestling column. you got to search for it, but it's right there. Uh, they cover pro wrestling. Casey Joyner is going to be with us at 9.30. We do this every Tuesday night at 9.30 right here on ESPN 1000. So we'll review SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver, both events taking place in Toronto. That's tomorrow night show, 9.30 here on ESPN 1000. Great to have you in today. Um, we talked about the Bears and even though it is just you know, preseason, to me it's just a primer to get you ready for the season. I was looking on my Facebook wall, Facebook.com, uh, regarding the Bears. And I asked people, you know, what did you think of the first preseason game? There's some that just like, you know, I, I can't, 
I can't stand preseason football. Got no interest in it. Preseason blows, says Joe Schwinn. Fast forward to the regular season. Well, you can't, by the way. You think you have power in your remote at home, but you can't do that with the season. You got to wait for the regular season when the bell rings for the first game of the regular season with the Bears and the Packers. So you got to wait on that. Michael Green says preseason football is a waste of time. Wake me in on September 5th. I- I'm not paid to wake you. You wake yourself on September 5th. But nonetheless, when you when I, I read from my cousin Wiley on Facebook, he says, I watched it. It made me wish September 5th was just a week away. Steve says a few bright spots, but not many. I like Pierre Lewis and Woods. They were very active. Montgomery is the real deal. Need to get rid of Bray. I like White's explosiveness. These are just like random thoughts from Steve who watched apparently the entire uh, preseason game for the Bears and the Carolina Panthers. That's like a late third quarter breakdown of the Bears <laughs> preseason game one right there. Appreciate it. I love that. At least You know what? He's watching. Uh, Reggie Hammond, who I went to college with, Reggie says David Montgomery is a real deal and it's just preseason. So, you know, there's reason for optimism because what you want if you're a Bears fan is for things to turn around in the right direction. Doesn't mean that the Bears are going completely the wrong direction. Because there's three things that we do know. Three things that we talk about a lot with the Bears. I talked about in the spring and the summer. Three questions. Trubisky, how good will he be? Will he be able to take another step or two this upcoming season? The defensive stability, whether or not that Vic Fangio's gone, does that mean the defense collapses? No, the defense will be strong. Look at the personnel for this Bears defense. I have so much faith in Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith had a sack in that uh, first preseason game in the first quarter. Roquan Smith is going to be an all-time Bear favorite. You never hear me say that. But I saw every snap of him in college as a Georgia fan. And I'm here to tell you, Roquan Smith will just be that solid guy. You look at a whole defense in, in totality, but Roquan Smith will be that guy that's going to make a lot of plays. He's going to be a great bear. Great bear. And you never hear me say that. I just think that he's going to be that kind of difference maker, that key cog to a defense. Kyle Fuller, Leonard Floyd, um, looking at Eddie Jackson. So defensively, I'm not overly concerned about the Bears. Even if they do take a little bit of a step back, doesn't mean that they're bad. They're still going to be a top five defense. Look at the personnel. It speaks for itself. I don't have to sell you on it. It's it's like that shiny car in front of your home. You know it's great. I don't have to sell you on it. It's it's really good. That's what the defense is for the Bears. But when it comes to Trubisky, there should be some concern when the head coach, Matt Nagy, gives Trubisky three hand, handoffs, just three. And then he's got the headset on. It's like, okay, so does this mean he is just geared up and ready? If that was Tom Brady out there for three handoffs, I'd feel a lot better. If that was Drew Brees with three handoffs, I'd feel feel a lot better. Even Patrick Mahomes, the young quarterback for Kansas City, I'd feel a lot better. Uh, But it's Trubisky. He doesn't need to throw the football in the first preseason game. How about the second one against the Giants? What about the next preseason game after that? You see, when we go back to last year, Trubisky in preseason, he was not there a lot. Last preseason, 40 snaps, 18 attempted passes in two games in the preseason. And there were a lot of Bears fans who were like, how come he's not out there more? It's a new offense he needs to learn. I will tell you that there's still room for improvement for this Bears offense. You know what? 
Nagy agrees. Tempo was good, but just some, again, mental exhaustion, I think, right now from the guys in regards to uh, getting in and out of the huddle. Kind of normal, but we expect, you know, a little bit better at times. So we'll see where, uh, where we're at when we get back to Hallis with practice. And um, it's good to, to – I think that the other thing, too, is just seeing how our guys react to a little bit of um, – a little bit of uh, frustration from the coaching staff at times, and that's always good. So, and they, and they understand. So, we'll put the tape on and go from there. What I think for us is let's pull back a little bit. Um, same as last year, we're we're at a real we're at a point where we're searching for plays to to install at night, and that's usually not good. That means that you're not running plays that you've been running for, you know, that that's in your core concept. So, let's uh, let's get back to just playing fast and that sort of thing, and we'll figure out what we like and what we don't like, but. Um, we've hit that limit of testing them where they're at. It's time to pull back now and start gearing up so that these young guys and the vets can start getting more and more confidence. He was talking about offense. That's not good. I don't know if you remember this as we talk about the Bears on Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Do you remember last September, last October? Hood, I don't remember what I ate for dinner yesterday. But just walk with me with this, right? I remember sitting in this chair talking to you about the Bears. And I remember us playing a soundbite from Matt Nagy talking about how one somebody from the press asked a question, do you think that you have overloaded Mitch Trubisky with too much offense? Like too many plays. Like the book's too big for him. And you saw as the season progressed that it was a real voluminous book. And then all of a sudden... Game three, game four, he had that much of the playbook. And then you saw Trubisky trying to work that offense, and then all of a sudden a little bit fewer plays. Not quite dynamic. But you know what? Not horrible. That's the thing. There's reason for optimism because Trubisky is not at the bottom by no stretch of the imagination. if If he were, I would tell you through my eyes, but he's not. But you want improvement because you know the offense. In this offensive league, you want to have your quarterback be confident and be able to connect to Gabriel, connect to Robinson, connect connect to Patterson, Hall, whoever he has out there, uh, Tariq Cohen, to Montgomery. The connection and the offense has to get better. You don't have five years to wait for this guy to be able to be this prolific quarterback, even if he never becomes a prolific quarterback. You don't have time for him to – you can't baby him. Get a guy from Kansas City and Nagy is the head coach that's about putting up numbers. And what it'll come down to is people will compare Mahomes to Trubisky. And that's not fair. That's not fair because they're two different guys, clearly. But can Trubisky take it another step? That's the question. As we talk about the Bears, Under the Hood with John the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Okay. So, what about the defense? Can I talk about the defense? Um, Nagy talking about how Clinton Dix is going to fit well with this defense. Haha's having a good camp. I love, I love his mentality. He's come in and he's bought in completely into our culture. He's a team player. He's done everything we asked and more. And he's fit right on in with that defense. Uh, and and so you know those guys, we got we got pretty good players on the other side of the ball. I mean, there he he joined in right away, and and uh, I think he was kind of feeling himself out in the early part of OTAs. Once he realized the communication and how these guys are, he sees that we like to have fun out there. On defense and and so he bought right on in and he's just being himself. Trubisky, defensive stability and the kickers. 
Even if there's someone in your circle that doesn't know much about the Bears, they know about the kicking situation because they know how the season ended. As that kicker, Cody Parkey, missed the field goal that could have really helped the Bears. God, they could have won the game. But what does Cody Parkey do? He puts a suit on and he goes and hugs Coda Hotby on the Today Show. He's like, oh, I missed the kick. Don't you feel bad for me? And the Bears like, get the hell out of here. Out. And so now it comes down to a couple of kickers. Is it going to be Pinheiro? Is it going to be Fry? Thoughts from Matt Nagy. We're evaluating them. I think, again, looking at what they do in these preseason games is going to be really the, the, the true test. But we, we're looking for that production. You know, I was talking to some, some people, and, and you know, it, it's sometimes I have to catch myself, and, and I'm sure you guys do too, is we expect them to make every single kick that they kick. And if they don't, we go back to the you know the you know the the shoulder shrug because of our expectations. What's real is that there's not a kicker in the world that makes every single kick. I mean, it's one one preseason game. I, I'm I'm anxious to see how this thing's going to go after you know four total preseason games, and really, um, hopefully, they can get some decent attempts and, and we get a feel for it. You know, we'll we'll have one more game at home. The other the other two will be uh, on turf. So. Um, just just competing and then we, we have to we're going to have to make that decision as to where we're at and what we what we want to do with them and and uh um it, it's only one preseason game so i want to wait a little bit just get it right i don't care who it is i don't have a dog in the hunt i don't care who the kicker is just make the kicks do you move think it, move it along the reports were out that the bears were going after that backup kicker in baltimore i'm not gonna attempt to say his name because i've butchered it twice earlier today i've been called out um that, like I guess they so the Vikings got him for a fifth pick. The Bears were, were, were gave up a compensatory pick, which means it's based on how his performance and how many games he plays. Does that prove to you that neither one of these guys are the kicker they want in Elliott and uh, Fry? Probably, probably because like they immediately, immediately the first time there was an opportunity, someone showed up in preseason already made an offer for him. I don't care who it is. Just, just give me someone just, who can kick. Just, that's all I, that's yep. all I care about, Eric. Mm-hmm. I. Like, you're not going to get Ray Guy. You, you know, it's not, Ali Haji Sheik's not coming. It's not you know, it's not Janikowski in his prime. So just just find somebody who can kick the damn ball. I don't care. I'm a swore there. Um, <laughs> under the hood with childhood hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. All right, let's uh, let's switch gears and talk about the Cubs for a moment. The Chicago Cubs are idle tonight. They'll start their continue their road trip against Philadelphia and then Pittsburgh after that. Interesting column over the weekend from Jesse Rogers. And if you missed Jesse, Jesse was on in our first hour. You can hear that on the Under the Hood podcast. Great conversation as always with my 25-year friend, Jesse Rogers. So Jesse wrote this column entitled Madden Confident He'll Be Back with the Cubs in 2020. Instead of me reading the column, let's hear from Madden. He says that he's confident he'll be back in 2020, and then we'll talk about this. I really don't think it does at all. I mean, everybody keeps talking. I think it has nothing to do with those losses. If that's the case, I would have signed a contract at the end of last season. You know, I mean, if it came down to wins and losses only. You know, our success even to this point today on August, whatever this is, been pretty good. So it can't be uh, uh, to just reduce it to wins and losses. That makes no sense at all. You know, I think we've been doing well. I think it's 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 about um, it's about interaction. It's about uh, communication. It's about uh, uh, the ability to work together. I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, it's just for me too. It's like understand. I want to be somewhere where I want to work too. 
uh, and that I enjoy the exchange, which I do. Uh, everything about uh, what we do at the Cubs and where we do it at is it's hard. So it's not, it can't be, it's impossible uh, on every level. So that's that's the allure for me. Uh, but again, it was about wins and losses. Now, it was a secret microphone there, so if you didn't hear everything that Madden said, I'm operating like we'll be together for a couple more years. I'm not going to sit and proclaim I'm I'm looking to go elsewhere because that's not true. Of course, he's entering the year the Cubs had won the most regular season games since 2015, uh, the year Madden took over. So... He's guided them to the postseason each of the past four seasons while winning the 2016 World Series, the first for the Cubs in 108 years. I find this Madden quandary very odd, and here's why. This is not one of these things where you see a team underachieving, time to fire the manager. We've been through that for years, right? For generations. You see a manager... The team's under 500, team's not in the playoffs, so get rid of the manager. It's different. It has a Joel Quinville feel to it, and here's why. I said at the time in the episode Ego, you can go through the Under the Hood podcast, look for the, because we title all of our episodes, so that episode was named Ego. You can go and find it and hear my thoughts when Joel Quinville was fired. We were on the air that night when Joel Quinville got let go by the Blackhawks, and now he's with the Florida Panthers. And even though the the Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups with Quinville and the team started to kind of go in the wrong direction, it didn't necessarily mean that the Hawks should have fired Joel Quinville. You won together, you underachieve a little bit, but it doesn't mean that, hey, now it's time to unplug the situation. With the Cubs, the Cubs won one World Series championship. Got to the playoffs, got bounced a couple times here. Underachieved a little bit. I don't think it's time for Madden to go. I'm not going to tell you that Madden should be let go. I think that if Theo and Jed and Joe Madden put this together, they can get back on top again. But it all comes down to personnel. It all comes down to decision making. And so far, the Cubs are a first place team. But you see the, the, the difference in this Cubs team than a Cubs team 10, 15 years ago. Underachievement, time for Riggleman to go, time for Baylor and Dusty to go. It's different. It's a different feel. Like, We've never been in the stratosphere with the Cubs where you see a manager and you say, yeah, World Series, 90-plus wins, yep, fire him. It's different. It's a different feeling. So Joe Madden, he's not, he's not cocky. He's convinced that he's going to be with the ball club for the next couple of years. Now, there's two ways to look at it. One, he might be just calling Theo's bluff like, oh, yeah, you're not firing me. Yeah, we've had some ups and downs, but we're a first-place ball club. We're going to go to the playoffs. You're going to fire me? I'm at the end of my contract. You're going to fire me? Fire me. I'll be back in 20. Or, or Madden knows something that we don't know. Maybe there's going to be a one-year extension. I don't know. I just find it odd that Madden has to be on a string dancing for his dinner now, especially when you look at that personnel. Zobris decide. You know, um, David Ross aside, all those guys that helped the World Series championship, you still did not build a strong enough contender to take on the Dodgers. Cubs take on the Dodgers in the playoffs. The Cubs don't have they have zero chance, less than zero chance to beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. And I know the regular season and playoffs are different, but I've watched the Dodgers a ton this season. They don't have that magic. Cubs used to have that magic. 
I was the only one at the station in May, in June of the championship year that said, you know what? Cubs are going to go to the World Series and win it. And Sylvie's like, there's no way. It's like, yeah, yeah way. I said, I, you can see the magic. There's, you know when a ball club has it. They have it. Mets right now. Even though it's just a you know 20-game sample size, so far so good. But you know when a team is just on a run, they're rolling, they're doing well. Cubs have been so up and down the road, you, you don't know what they are. And so I, when Madden says he's going to be confident he's going to be back in 20, it's almost like the 65-year-old Silver Fox is like, yeah, you fire me, I'll get picked up again. And, I, and in five seconds, he'll be managing someplace else. Do the Cubs have someone in mind? Is Madden coming back, or is David Ross going to be the next manager for the Cubs? Seriously. No hyperbole, I'm asking. Do you you think that Matt, that David Ross is the next manager for this Cubs team, or, or Joe Girardi, they're going to get him out from uh, the Major League Baseball Network to have him manage his ball club? See, to me, when you replace the manager, it's like the replacing the hitting coach. Like, You think last year's issues is because of Chili Davis? Nah. Because the team underachieved. Couldn't score more than three runs at a time in the second half. They were brutal. And this year, they've been so up and down. You split against the Reds. I mean, that, that tells you where this ball club is. It's good, but not good enough. And who knows where we're going to be here. It's August 12th. Where will they be on September 12th? Still clinging on to the first place? Wild card team? Cubs have not been hot all year. Hot. Sustainable. Where you believe. And Madden's going to be the scapegoat for Theo's mistakes. Remember, when you underachieve, when you lose, and when you're up and down, that's a ball club issue. It's not a Madden issue. It's not a Theo issue. It's everybody. But you can just tell they just don't have it. That's the whole thing. All right. um, We have got to be able to find the pettiest story of the sports weekend. So we got to get people on the train here. Do you have enough coal for the train? Do you have enough smoke? What do you need for a train? You need to eat coal, right? You need a, some, what do you need? Yeah, the coal generates the steam, which generates the train. And all that smoke and all the smoke. <laughs> Don't forget the smoke, man. Yes, yes. You need that smoke. It's time for Petty Junction. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic? Petty Junction with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Some shows... They all look for the funniest thing of the sports weekend around the sports radio landscape. Some, they look for the strangest thing of the sports weekend. We look for the petty, the pettiest thing of the sports weekend. Petticoat. We have you vote at ESPN 1000 on what is the pettiest story of the sports weekend. Well, for me, even though the grievance is done, I will just say Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is a pettiest story of the sports weekend because Antonio Brown, he, he filed a grievance against the NFL because he wanted to wear his old helmet. And it comes to find out that he lost that grievance because the NFL wants to have its players safe. They have a new helmet. And by the way, by the way, 
The NFL told players, Eric, five years down the line, five years ago, there's going to be new helmets. Get ready. So if you're attached to your helmet five years from now, in 2019, you're going to have to wear a new helmet that's safe for concussions, at least safer, right? And AB was like, nah, I need to have my own helmet. And like a clown, John Gruden's up there defending the whole helmet thing. And of course, the whole the frostbitten feet, that whole scenario too. I mean, and it, the question is: Is the juice worth the squeeze for Antonio Brown for this Raiders team? So I'm definitely putting him on the petty train. AB, petty story of the sports weekend. Petticoat Junction. Eric. It'll be hard to beat that entry because no one has been petty. Like, I'm not going to be able to play ever again because of my helmet. But Brooks Kepka is the best golfer in the world, best men's golfer in the world. But he really just doesn't like golf. It's very entertaining. He talks about how it's too slow. He gets fined for not going to the range before rounds because he just walks up and plays. He doesn't practice in the offseason. He just mashes the ball, and he's great. Before the final round on Sunday, he was tweeting out to two different golfers saying, complaining about their slow play and how slow they play. And one of them, uh, don't worry, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, if it was you playing, I would have never stood there since it's Rory. I felt confident he wouldn't shank it. So basically, they were playing up tempo because him and Rory both play fast golf. And uh, Bryson DeChambeau thought... Well, you're in my line of sight. I don't like it. Rory had no problem with it. Uh, yeah, so, so Kepka does not care. He is willing to fight. So I guess other like reporters around said that Kepka went up to DeChambeau later in the day because like, hey, I heard you got like we got problems. We want to talk about it. DeChambeau's caddy had to get in the middle and like walk him away because DeChambeau wanted nothing to do with Kepka. <laughs> later tweeted out. Uh, oh, this can, uh, Kapska says, just talk to DeChambeau for a minute. This can, discussion will continue later. Oh my God, man. I, I mean, love it. He's the bad boy of golf. That's something, I guess. Okay. Petticoat Junction. Petticoat Junction. Kapka, man, you're looking for like the next big thing in, in golf. Not Tiger, not Phil. But it's Kepka because he doesn't like pace of play. He doesn't. I mean, if let's say, what are the two sports we talk about pace of play problems? Baseball and golf. Correct. And they both have real issues with younger generations. So he's not wrong and off base. And he's saying enforce the rule. They're supposed to have 40 seconds to get a shot. These guys are taking a minute and a half to two minutes. He's he's sick of it. <laughs> we'll put that on the, the poll at ESPN 1000. What is the pettiest story of the sports weekend? And there you have it. We do this every Monday right here on ESPN 1000, ESPN. And if you have a different uh, choice, make sure you list it at ESPN 1000 on Twitter. Chris Black on the NBA. The schedule's out for the NBA. Oh, boy. You're listening to my mans and them. Just some men that's on the mic. And when we rock up on the mic, we rock the mic. Right, Jay Hood. <laughs> on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN under the hood with jonathan hood weeknights on espn 1000 and the espn app under the hood with jonathan hood on espn 1000 and the espn app this time tomorrow we will have tuesday wrestling tuesday for you we'll get a chance to talk about SummerSlam from toronto and nxt takeover for wrestling fan make sure you check in with me uh tomorrow night 9.35, right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. We turn to my partner on our NBA podcast, for the love of the pod, our NBA podcast we have year-round. You can subscribe and download at the 
ESPN.com and also the Under the Hood podcast. It is Chris Black from Black and Abdallah Sunday mornings at 8. And he joins me here on ESPN 1000 at the ESPN app. Hello, Chris. Jonathan, what's going on? The NBA schedule is out. I'm ready. Let's break it down. Each game for the Bulls this season. You want to go win-loss here? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> we don't have time for that. This is not the Bears. I'd be prepared. I, I, right now, I see them sitting at 36 and 46. I go through the schedule, win-loss. No. You know, just take five seconds, think about it, pick a win and a loss. Unfortunately, I only came up with 36 wins, and we know that the Bulls are going to need more than that to make the playoffs this year. No, well, yes. Well, I did not go do oh. win loss, win loss, but I do want to ask right. you this. I want to yeah. ask you more of a. <laughs> Mac, <laughs> it's 9:40. Are you still on the coffee? All right. Yeah, so, yes. so, so no team dealt with significant injuries more than the Bulls. Levine, Markinen, Dunn, Portis, Otto Porter, Wendell Carter Jr. all missed significant time because of injuries. So that was a 22-win season for the ball club last year. Remember what John Paxson told us on draft night when we hosted together? He talked about how there are teams that need to be, that his team's going to have more rest. And I know that he was doing that with gritted teeth, like, yeah, we're going to have to sit out some guys. And I see the schedule. No other team has more rest between games than the Bulls do. How significant is that for this upcoming season you think you know it's huge um not only because it's something that clearly the bulls organization has been pushing but not only if you add in the rest look at the fact that the bulls only have 11 back-to-backs this season Mm -hmm. which is the fewest in the league and then their strength of schedule if you look at the win totals in vegas and you compute that into the schedule the bulls have they're the 21st strongest strength of schedule so uh, easier schedule for league standards. They only have 11 back-to-backs, and they travel, I think it's the third fewest miles in the league this upcoming season. So travel in the air is, is low. And then also the rest time that they are on the ground is uh, the, the lowest in the league as well. So they have the, the most amount of rest, as you were saying. So basically it seems like everything is kind of shaping up to be in favor for the Bulls this season. Now – on the other side of it is you have to stay healthy and you also have to perform to the level that you can on the court. Like it seems like all the variables off the court have now been taken care of for the Chicago Bulls. By the way, you saw that the NBA made a, a, a focus on trying to have more people watch Western Conference basketball. Of course, that doesn't mean anything to you and I because when they were coming on at 9.30 Central Time, it didn't matter. But you see how they moved the time up. Now those 9.30 games are now 9 p.m. games Central Time. Uh, I'm, and again, it's still 7 o'clock Pacific, so I guess that's not a problem. But I just you see that even though we see some positives in the East, they want more eyeballs in the Western Conference because there's about seven teams that have a chance in the West. Yeah, and especially you know the biggest name, right? LeBron James. And getting LeBron James on televisions on the East Coast at a a better time is definitely going to help, especially with that New York market, the TV market. So, you know, I, I like the idea. I think for some of us here in the Midwest, and especially here in Chicago, it's going to be a little odd when you see some games starting at the 6 o'clock in that 6 o'clock hour because we're not really used to it. That's like the dinner time hour. You're kind of settling in for the night. And to see games starting earlier, uh, the East Coast games, that's also going to affect the way the night kind of flows throughout the NBA season. But I get it. And, and you know, uh, for, for those of us who stay up and watch all these West Coast late-night basketball games, sometimes those games, those Golden State games, those Sacramento games, the Clipper games, 
those games don't get over until 1230 at night. So mm-hmm. I'm all for getting more sleep throughout the NBA year, just like the players do. We need more rest, too. Hood, Black, we need more rest throughout the NBA season. We need to be fresh. We need to be ready to go. You can follow Chris on Twitter, at Chris Black. That's my partner when we do our NBA podcast. And, and by the way, speaking of the podcast, so we had a choice, right? Hold on, let me get CM Punk here. Hold on a second. Where is he at? Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I asked Eric before the show, I said, Eric, should, should we, is this a podcast or should we have Black on for a segment? And Eric, you said... I said I don't know if NBA schedule is enough for a full podcast. It sounds like a segment. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, so he squeezed your, your, your 36 win nonsense for the Bulls into a, a seven minute segment. So that's where you are, the pecking order, pal. Well, you know what's sad about that is, uh, maybe 10 years ago, we would have flipped it where it would have been more desirable to be live on air to do this. But now you're telling me it's more desirable to have the full podcast uh, version of this uh, conversation. That's interesting. All right. I see how it is, Eric. You value the podcast over the live broadcast. I see what's going on here. I want them both. Um, I want to be able to make this yeah, into right, right, a right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Create content, share it across all platforms. I got it. Yeah. Uh, and always on Christmas Day, uh, Chris, I want to know which game resonates with you most because, you know, for you and I as married guys, you got to figure out how to be able to watch these games split with the family, either the in-laws or at, at your place, right? So yeah. Celtics-Raptors, that's the game you travel to so you can sit down and watch Bucks 76ers. Dinner, Rockets, Warriors, and you want to be in front of the TV for Clippers, Lakers, Pelicans, and Nuggets, you travel home and listen to it on the radio. Yeah, and uh, just a plug for the ESPN app. That's the brilliance of Christmas Day is that you can watch all of these games on the ESPN app as well, and that's a little cheat code while you're dealing with the yeah. Christmas activities. Uh, yeah, you know, like the, the, the Golden State-Houston game, I understand the placement of it being at 4 o'clock, but that's the one that's like the must-see, in my opinion, yeah, it's going to be the toughest to kind of work into your routine. And then obviously you want to be set somewhere in front of a television for the main event, Clippers at Lakers, same building, Kawhi, uh, LeBron, AD, everything in, in that matchup. Their early games are good too. I like Boston going to Toronto and that Milwaukee Philly series. Those games throughout this season, I think those games are going to do a lot to determine who the best team in the Eastern Conference is. Pelicans have 20 national TV appearances. People want to see Zion. I get it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Pelicans come to Chicago on February 6th. I asked this question to uh, David Kaplan earlier this morning. Is that game, February 6th, Pelicans at Bulls, is that going to be the most anticipated home date of the Bulls' schedule? You want to see a rejuvenate LeBron on November 5th, don't you? Yeah, that's early. Don't you think that both he and AD won't be injured at that point and they won't be resting, <laughs> so they'll both play? Yeah, I think they'll right? be. Like, no, November 5th is early for the Lakers to come to town. They'll be ready because that's a big market. They want to be here in Chicago to beat the Bulls by 25. Some other options, uh, December 6th, Golden State comes to town. To me, still a good ticket. Some people might think that the, the swagger has been lost a little bit, but I would still want to see Golden State. And then December 14th, the Clippers come to town. So two really good teams coming to the United Center in December. You know what? I want to go to more games with you. If we don't have UIC responsibilities or if I don't have Windy City Bulls responsibilities this winter, I think we need to go to the United Center to see good basketball, the other team. 
Uh, I agree with you. Uh, also, a, a, game, a homestand, uh, December 28th to January 4th. So it's that's a, like a holiday week, right? The Hawks, the Bucks, the Jazz, and the Celtics all come to Chicago. That's strong. That's a pretty good four-game homestand. I like that. I like that, too. Uh, but I, Zion, I, I, you know, funny you said that because I got that circled. Now on the on the on February sixth, it's going to be fun, and of course the All Star Weekend is here as well. Yeah, and uh, did you see what um, uh, Gordon said? Uh, his dream dunk contest would be hmm. that he would have Zion and Zach Levine and all the really good dunkers from Donovan Mitchell from the last couple of years all participating. How cool would that be if that was here in Chicago and all these guys participated? Um, did you notice with the Bulls schedule, Jonathan, that? The final 15 games that we'll know whether or not this Bulls team is going to make the playoffs by March 15th. Wow. Because the final 15 games are brutal. Right. And that's when they'll fold. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, if you go from March 15th to April 15th, the final 15 games of the season, if you just do the win-loss thing and you just look at the team and you say, are the Bulls better than that team or are they worse? There's a chance they go 3-12 and in that span. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Black. Chris, as always, I appreciate it. Panther meat, these bears. Oh. Appreciate it as always. I appreciate your time. Thanks See, for- and that's where that's where Eric's wrong. It should have been a podcast. Needed more time. That's fair. Yeah, I can tell you're ready to go for 35 more minutes. Uh, Eric, that was a good question by you, my friend. Count it. Jonathan Hood. And I got what it takes to rock, to rock, rock, yeah. On ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. We thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Our thanks to Jesse Rogers, JD, and Bleck for being with the show produced by Eric Ostrowski on the other side of the glass. Let's do this tomorrow. 7 to 10 right here on ESPN 1000, ESPN app, Summer Football, and Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, all part of the mix. Be with me, 7 to 10 right here on UTA. Hey, yo, Jay Wood, run that back. Give them the info they need.